Um, we are continuing in our series entitled TikTok, and this series is a, an extremely practical series, and this series is all about using the gift of time to build a great life, using the gift of time to build a great life. So um, I, I'm a teacher at heart, and uh, what I've discovered is that um, if we're not careful, we, we can come into church and, and think it's all spiritual, you know, all good feelings, as the young people would say, all vibes. You know, I felt something. But, um, you know, God is also an extremely, extremely practical God. And I believe that the Lord heals us. I think he, I don't think, I know that he does supernatural things. But I also know he gives us the scripture, the Bible. Someone say Bible. Bible. To teach us how to live successful lives and how to be fulfilled. So TikTok is all about the gift of time. Uh, Chow's going to share the greatest gift that God has ever given us in about 28 minutes or so. But I want to build out this idea of time. And today's message, if you're taking notes, is entitled Time and Money. Time and Money. Research confirms that 75% of working Americans are stressed out about personal finances. So three out of four Americans constantly. Um, it also confirms that uh, four hours of the work shift uh, we devote towards financial stress. And 50% of Americans, our top concern is money. And so we definitely have some personal money issues um, going on in our nation and in our homes. And I've come to discover that there are two options when it comes to money. Uh, the first option is this. It's either you worry about it, and the second option is or you work on it. So you can either worry about your financial situation or you can work on your financial situation. So in essence, we're not going to, uh, the people of God ought not to look for a handout. We ought not to say, well, they're rich. They need to give me what they have when they worked for it. It was passed down to them. Um, what we have the opportunity to do is we have the opportunity to do something new in our family, right? So if we didn't step into wealth or into financial literacy or understanding, we have this opportunity to build an amazing life yeah. with this gift called time. And I just want to encourage you that if you're in dire straits, if, if, if you're paycheck to paycheck, if you constantly live in the negative, uh, in five years, 10 years, you don't have to be in that same place. And uh, it's because God gives us his word and he gives us his principles so that we can come out of a place of bondage into a place of abundance. And it's essential that we get into the word of God and, and we follow his principles. And so God's word actually paints a picture, if you're taking notes, of confidence when it comes to our finances. Confidence. You know, you're not afraid to make certain financial decisions or do certain things, but, but your confidence. It also paints this picture of freedom. Someone say freedom. freedom. You're mobile. You can make moves. You can, you can do the things that you need to do in order to pursue the vision that God has placed 
on your heart. You're free to be generous. You're free to help out people who don't have as much. You're, you're free to tithe at a different level. You're free to give an offering whenever the Lord says, give an offering. But the picture the Lord paints in scripture is one of confidence and freedom. You got to think about Adam and Eve. Whenever you think about the character or the heart of God, you have to visit Genesis. Um, because this is what we call uh, the law of first mentions, right? The law of first mentions. And you see God's intention or his heart behind a, th a thing when he first mention a th mentions a thing. So whenever the Lord created a man and woman, he put them in the garden and they were surrounded by what? Was it dust and thorns and thistles and uh, uh, was it lack? Or, or, or when they woke up every morning, was it abundance? abundance. Abundance. So what does that tell us about the heart of God is that he wants you to be blessed. The, the biblical picture for your finances, God's heart. Part of the reason why Jesus saved you is so that you would thrive, not just in your soul, but also in your pocket so that you could provide for your family. The Bible also says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his kids, kids. So part of God's heart for you is to actually have enough margin to leave something not just for your children, but also for your grandchildren. And no one wants a handout. Say, I don't want a handout. I don't want a handout. If you're going to help me, help me. But God has given you strength and wisdom and the capacity and the ability to build wealth. Let me encourage you right now. You don't have to have a tight butt today. Okay, you can, you can loosen up. You can loosen it up. Um, I'm not asking for anything. This is not a tithing and an offering message. I want to add value to your life. And I want to share some things as it concerns the gift of time and the gift of money that God has given us to grow. So we have this book called the book of Proverbs in scripture. Go ahead and write this down. And a pro the Proverbs are a collection of truths and godly principles, a collection of truths and godly principles. And there are 31 Proverbs. So you can read a proverb a day. I read a psalm a day, a proverb a day, and I have a designated book. Currently, I'm in Psalm, Proverb, and the book of Joshua. I'm reading that every day. And um, Proverbs is powerful. It just gives you principles for life. Go ahead and write this down. Principles are to be understood, believed, and lived out. You have to allow the principles of God to change the way that you think. The greatest preacher to ever live under Christ, Paul the Apostle, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how many people know online, you know this, that there's a lot of noise out there. It's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise. And all of that noise is sent by the enemy to distract us from what God has said. And God has given it to us and if we're not careful, we can allow this book to just sit in a drawer somewhere or on our kitchen table and never tap into the wisdom of God. And so God's principles are to, to be understood. Then I'm going to believe them in my heart and then I'm going to live them out. One thing that the Bible says is that the borrower is slave to the lender. And so when I read that and now that I know it and understand it. I'm going to believe it and live it out, even if it takes 10 years to come out of debt, because the Lord says, I need to pay the person that I owe. I'm going to pay the person that I owe, because that's a part of coming out of financial bondage, yeah. right. 
in stepping into that abundance that the Lord has for us. So here, here's just one general encouragement. Following God's principles always leads to an abundant place. And it takes time and it's often uh, uh, routine and it's often boring and you need a lot of patience. However, someone say however, however. when it's all said and done, you win. And you're going to step into the life that the Lord has always promised you. So I want to give you three ways to build your financial future. Three just practical ways to build your financial future. Number one, financial vision. You got to have a financial vision. And you can't be too young or too old to have a financial vision. And don't allow your current state, if you're struggling to dictate whether or not you can even dream. That, that's, the, that's the discouragement right there. It's like, well, this is for someone else, like the person on my row or the person on my aisle, you know, the person next to me. It's totally not for me. I'll never be able to. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe, is that you'll never be able to step into a place of margin and freedom and confidence. But it starts with a vision. Go ahead and write this definition down. It won't come up on the screen. I'll, I'll speak slow. A vision is this. It's a picture of who you want to be and where you want to be in the future. That's a vision. It's a picture of who you want to be and where you want to be in the future. So we were at dinner last night, and I asked my kids, I said, just, just out the gate, just out of nowhere. I said, hey, Jay, what is your financial vision? And, you know, it's like, oh. Whoa, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that. He's like, oh, okay. And, and, and he gave some, some things about, some thoughts about his financial vision. And then I asked my nine-year-old, I said, Judah, what is your financial vision? He was like. <laughs> so me and, me and my wife were like, okay, he's praying. He's hearing from God. <laughs> For about 40 seconds. Uh, 252. What's 252? So we summed it up. Quarter million? Yeah, quarter million. Okay, that's good. But when I say financial vision, I'm not talking about like how much. I need you to catch this. How much is only a small part of it. I'm talking about what do you see? Right. In a sense, here it is the quality of life. What, what do you see for for your home, for yourself, uh, for your parents as you come of age and they get older? Well, maybe they, they won't have the strength to step into the opportunities that you're going to. What do you see for your babies? Even if you're not married and you're single right now, but you believe in God. What do you see for your grandchildren? Ask the Holy Spirit. Let's get spiritual. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you peer into the future. What do you see? Right? I'll share some personal vision for me. I, I see myself taking care, financially, taking care of my mother. Uh, my mother, my in-laws. They can work all they want, but I, this is my vision. I want to be in a place where the people who are closest to me don't have to work. Uh, generosity is a vision. 
if a stranger needs something or if an organization needs something or if another church needs something, I want to be able to cut the check. How much do you need? Um, my grandchildren, my, my grandchildren, I'm already thinking about Jay's kids and, and Judah's kids. I already see them running around the house, running in the yard. You got to have vision. Someone say vision. vision. You got to have vision because the Bible says that without vision, my people perish. So they'll, they'll come worship and oh, first love my future. You're in every step I take. But we're broke. We're broke. <laughs> right. We don't manage time well. And it's like, why do we keep counseling this person? When at the root, we've discovered it's a lack of time management and there's there's no financial vision. Um, and I, I just believe Christians ought to be the most resourceful group of people in the world. I think when the world has problems, it ought to run to Christians. Christians shouldn't run to the world, should run to us. Right. And another thing, the Bible says that when you don't have a vision, the people perish. Not only that, it says that they cast off all restraint. Meaning when you don't have a financial vision, you're just spending your money on everything. Just we're going here for the weekend. We're doing that. We're doing that. Well, when you have vision, it, it causes some discipline in your life. And you say, well, I'm building something and I know it's going to take some time. I can't spend on that. I can't buy that. I can't go on that trip because I'm going somewhere. I have a target. And so it's important because here's a statement. Your life will go in the direction of your vision. It just will. If the vision is to take care of your family, I'm telling you, your, your mind and your spirit will automatically reverse engineer to your workplace. You're going to connect uh, your attitude and your work ethic and your focus to the fact that I, I must build something great because my vision is to take care of my family, right? But when you don't have a vision, it's like, I don't want to go to work, you know? But it creates some constraint in your life. Number two, understand money. The second way to build your financial future is to understand it. Proverbs, so there, there's going to be some Proverbs here sprinkled throughout, right? We talked about the, the Word of God. Proverbs says this, 27, says, Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. Know the state. Here in this uh, society, when, when this proverb was written, um, you know, it was, you know, animals and, and farming and all that stuff. So what the Bible is saying here is know the state of your money. Right. Know every account. Face the facts. Open the app. Look at it every day. Don't avoid it. Face the facts. And then he says here, put your emotions into it. Right. Be happy about it. Wow. Woo. Doing great. Thank you, Lord. Doing great. Oh, my God. This sucks. Because sometimes you got to get mad about it before you actually do something about it. It's like you, you got to get mad because it's in the red and you're constantly broken. You're constantly struggling. A lot of times that's the inception of vision. It's like I, I, I can't be here for the next five years. Right. I can't be here for the next decade. It says it right. Put your heart into caring for your flocks. Here it is. For riches don't last forever. And the crown might not be passed to the next generation. 
So, so you, you, you may come from a lucrative family, but they didn't pass it down to you. So what is the Bible saying? The Bible saying you can worry about it or you can work on it. You, you can work. Come on, we can put our, we can work on it. And, and so I got to understand it, it. The Bible says it is for a lack of knowledge. My people perish. So now we got two reasons. We perish. No vision, no knowledge. <laughs> that's he, that's Haggai. I think it's four six, and there's a proverb that says the same thing. For lack of knowledge, for lack of knowing God, for lack of knowing His ways, for lack of prophetic vision. The word prophetic means foresight. We perish, right? So God is saying you have to understand money. Aren't you tired of going to dinner just talking about the same old stuff? Hey, what y'all doing tomorrow when you get off work? Same thing I did three years ago when I got off work. <laughs> Like there's no substance when we're sitting down at lunch or at dinner. We're just looking at each other and we're we're silent and we're quiet. And it's like, man, let let let's let's elevate the discussion, right? Why should the world be be having these great grand discussions about finances and they don't even love the Lord? They love the devil. The, the church should have something substantial, right? I, I've heard it said, and I, I fully agree. Poor people talk about people. Rich people talk about things. Wealthy people talk about ideas. Come on, let, let, come on now. Let's, let, let's elevate the discussion. I mean, go, go out to dinner and just start asking. Talk about credit. Just talk about it. Hey, what's your credit score? Uh, mine's a 580. Well, we go, we go pray for you. Um, what, what's your credit score? Mine's 720. Great. Can you teach us how you got, you know, like elevate, elevate the discussion. Come on now. Elevate, elevate the discussion. Understand. Someone say understand. Understand. So what does this mean? Here, write these thoughts down. I need you to read about money. I need you to get financially literate. Let's not stay ignorant. I need you to research. I need you to study. Money is extremely spiritual. The Bible says that money answers all things in this life. It answers all things. And I just, I don't want anyone to just hand it to me. There's a reward in work. Right? There's fulfillment in studying, earning that degree, cleaning something up, organizing something, creating something, supporting a vision that someone else may have but being a part of it, there's reward in that. Not just sitting on the couch, like hiding behind the comment section, being a punk, like not working hard. There's, there's no reward in that. There's no future in that. There's no future. And Proverbs talks about getting drunk and, and, and how it's just poverty will, will all, all the party in your life away. Before you know it, you're 40, you're 50, and you're like, what? where's my life? Right? Don't you want to build something? Come on, church. Don't you want to? Don't you want to build something? Got to build it. So, so we need to understand finances. And I, I, we're we're the most biblically illiterate generation, and the most financially illiterate generation. Let's change that. Let's not be that. So, so here, here's a chart I want you to take, take a picture of, okay? Understand money, all right? And I won't go deep into any of these things, but take a picture of it. I'm just giving you the general approach you need to take. Number one, understand budgeting. 
Know where every dollar goes. Uh, savings. Understand it. Put, put something aside, even, even if it's $10 per, you know, 25 bucks, 50, $100. You get to the end of the year and you see you, momentum. Wow, I, I, you, you got to start somewhere. Um, debt. The Bible has a lot to say about debt. And the, debt is a curse. It's a curse. And the word curse means limitation. So you got to pay it off to break the limitation. Right? Credit. You need to learn about credit. Learn about it. Use it the right way. Not all credit is bad credit. If it was, God wouldn't talk about borrowing in the scripture. Borrowing is not a sin. But it's the plan you have for credit. Okay? Investing is vital. Let's up the conversation. Let's talk about investments. You need to understand things like Roth IRAs. You need to understand uh, uh, the S&P 500, the index. You have to go home and read up on this stuff. Don't be afraid of it. Learn it. We are afraid of things that we don't understand. Right, yeah, right, right. You got you to gotta learn it. Yeah. Retirement savings. <laughs> this is one that a lot of people don't know about. Long-term care insurance. It's vital. Someone say it's vital. vital. All right, all right, in life insurance. Now, let me make a, a, a distinction here. Uh, ret- hear my heart. Retirement and death are two totally different situations. You can be retired for 20 years, 30 years. You can be dying from anywhere between 10 seconds and 10 years. It's that long-term care insurance that covers you well in the death phase. Go home and read it. I can't dive deep. This is why we're having a financial summit next year. Because I I can't stand to see our our heads hanging low. We got to understand this stuff. And if you are an expert in finances or a certain fill in finances and this is your church home, you're serving, you're giving, we can trust you with people's souls. I want you to send us an email. I want to equip you to be a part of that financial summit. Come on. I want to I want to equip you. I want to equip you. I want you talking to people about these things. We have to know it has to be kingdom like we should be able to go and say, hey, you got a barber. You got a nail girl you got a pedicure girl you got a you got a contractor you know you got an engineer you got someone in real estate it's it's all in this room it should be all in this room it's kingdom someone say kingdom here's the reason why i want you to understand money is because everyone has a financial future everyone so what do you want it to look like in five or ten years and then number three um excellent work the third way to build your financial future is through excellent work. Good. Someone say excellent. excellent. Excellent work. There's a spirit now in the land of, you know, quiet quitting. Ah, oh, God. Come on now. I went in Target the other day with my, with my baby just to pick up a toy. I'm trying to get to the toy section. But I'm, I'm, I'm in the clothing section, folding shirts and putting them back. And <laughs> I'm like, man, if I was general manager of this place, everyone would be fired. <laughs> we start over. It's just bad. Someone say it's bad. It's bad. So, so the onus is on us to go to our workplaces. 
our supervisors as Christians ought to be saying, oh, thank the Lord you're here. Thank, thank, I, don't, I don't even believe in God, but I pray that you would come to work. Y'all ain't catch that. That's how they ought to be. And they should be tripping when we're leaving. Like, please don't ever leave. Like, stay here all the time. Excellent. Someone say excellent. excellent. Proverbs. Y'all ready for this? Proverbs. Here it is. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies. Those, those who chase social media. Those who chase lies. Those who chase moments will have their fill of poverty. So this is also what this is saying. It's saying, mind your business. Right? You, you don't see that, but I see it. It says, work your land. Right? So, yeah, I know I'm a cashier right now, but I won't always be. Right? I know I'm associate. I know, you know, but you got to work your, work your home Work your get the get the fries from the floorboard of your car, right? Get the ketchup smell out of your car. Vacuum your car. Wash your car. Clean your room. Wash your laundry. Work your land. And what is God saying? He says, as I watch you work your land, I'm looking to increase your life. You're gonna have abundant food. The world should be running to you. And I'm, I'm telling you, what you do concerning your finances for the next 10 to 20 years could set you and your family up for a very long time. And you can't be too young or too old to lean into this stuff. Change the discussions at lunch and dinner. That's so good. <laughs> Let's... That's how y'all be sounding. That's how we be. <laughs> Change the discussion. Because, it, hear my heart. If you have a million dollar vision, you must have a one million dollar work ethic. C- commit to doing your best work, right? So, so what are some thoughts? Disciplines. You got to change those habits. You, you got to change those habits. You, you think it's, oh, where, where's the money? Well, you don't even, you don't feel good. You need to work out. You got to change some habits, some discipline, decisions, decisions, your attitude, your attitude. I, I, I tell myself all the time, we are doing the greatest work in the world. We're, we're, we are, as ministers, we get a, we help people for a living yeah. with our mouth. <laughs> all, we, all we have to do as pastors is stay healthy, keep our marriages healthy, and help people. <laughs> and God's going to grow the church. Yeah. Right? So we can't come into church on Tuesday into our meetings just like, uh, another week. No, like people are going to heaven. And it, it's the same thing with you. Like you, you got to change that attitude. Yeah. Because it's undermining, it's undermining your your future. You, you got to. It's excellent work, excellent work. We're, we're a baseball family, so I was reading some stories about some of the guys who made it to the um, World Series this year. And man, those guys from Cuba and, and Dominican Republic and all these different 
hard times and hills and valleys that they go through just to make it into the MLB, but, but no excuses, right? They're at the plate, they're honoring God. They're, you know, they're doing their Steph Curry thing and, you know, they're, they're honoring the Lord, but it, there are no excuses for not stepping into abundance. Excellent work. Someone say excellent. So, so, so be the best. Be the best. Show up being the best. Colossians 3 says this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember this. Here's the promise. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Not your boss, not your manager, not the company. And that the master you are serving is Christ. Can you put your hands together for that? Work willingly at whatever you do. You're working for the Lord because he's watching, uh, reading Psalms the other day. What well, I told you, Psalm and a proverb every day. The Bible says in Psalms that he's looking to see who he can bless. Mm, I want to give you three promises for your finances. God promises you this. Let me encourage you. He says, I will guide you. I'm going to guide you. I, I won't leave you ignorant. I've given you my word. I'm going to guide you. You just got to understand them, believe them, and live them out. I will guide you. I will guide you. Go home and read that verse. I'm paraphrasing the verses, but go home and read that. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Number two, God says, I will provide for you. Go home and read Philippians 4.19. I'm going to always give you what you need. I'm always there. You won't have to beg. I'm going to always supply every need that you have, says the Lord. And then this third promise, go home and read this. He says this, I will be with you. I love you. I'll be with you. As I was with Adam, as I was with Moses and Joshua, my son, Jesus Christ, I'm going to always be with you. I'll never forsake you because he wants to bring you into an abundant place. No matter where you are now, the plan in the heart of God is to bring you into a place of abundance for his glory. Can you put your hands together for the word of God if you've been encouraged today? Thank you, Lord.